What's up guys, welcome back to the John Summer Challenge. Today is July 9th, day nine of the John Summer Challenge. And today we are in John chapter five, verses one through 17. Now I'm, I'm at the beach for a couple reasons, three reasons. One, it's fun. Two, today is the Lord's day. You went to church and right after church, we're going to beach baptisms and it's gonna be a blast. So maybe you've already been to beach baptisms, you're watching this later in the day, or maybe it's the morning, and I would encourage you, go to beach baptisms. It's gonna be a blast. We're gonna see what the Lord has done in the uh, hearts of some of our family members at our church, uh, and we're gonna celebrate with them, baptize them, and then maybe we'll play some, you know, do some pranks on Chris Mueller, and we'll do some Dr. Pepper chugging challenges and eat some hot dogs, and it'll be great, okay? Number three reason why I'm here at the beach is because today we see another miracle from Jesus. And this happens in a pool called Bethesda. And uh, the, the pool, you know, there's a lot of uh, moving of the waters and we'll talk about all that, but I just thought it was appropriate for that, okay? Also because it's fun, I said that. So we have arrived at a major and actually a really sad shift in the Gospel of John. Up till now, we have seen Jesus gain more and more popularity, more followers, with little opposition at all, right? In general, the people were really receptive of Jesus because of what he was doing for the people. They saw him as a man for the people. Each day, they watched as Jesus would perform many miracles. Often, most of those miracles were to help those who are really suffering. He would heal the sick, he would feed the hungry, and he would cast out demons. And to the large crowds who followed him, they were loving Jesus' social welfare program. They were all about Jesus. And even, which we'll see in uh, John chapter 6, they ev will even try to force him to be king. Not submit to him as the king of kings, but be their elected king because Jesus is helping them so much socially feeding them, casting out demons, and just doing a bunch of good for the people. And so, all this to say, in general, the people have been very receptive of Jesus up until this point. But now, starting in John chapter 5, which we're here now, and from now on, we will see the people shift from being receptive to rejective. The rejection and persecution of Jesus begins now after performing this miracle which we read about in our passage today so let's break this passage down into two parts first one is this number one performing the miracle in verses one through the first part of verse nine number one performing the miracle so jesus is going up to jerusalem and he stops within jerusalem at a pool called Bethesda, Bethesda. Now this is a Greek transliteration of a Hebrew word, which means house of mercy. So Bethesda means house of mercy. And the reason why it's called this, or source, why they named it this, is because sources tell us that this pool likely had a reddish tint to it because of all the minerals that were inside this pool. So it looked red. And so people came to believe that if you came to this pool, you could be healed that this pool had special healing powers. And so many flocked to this pool in hopes that they would be healed from all of their diseases, their illnesses, their disabilities. 
And among those people was a man who had been ill for 38 years. Now, the scripture doesn't tell us what exactly is wrong with him, but we can assume that he was either paralyzed or too weak to move at all. Then comes Jesus with his omniscience and his kindness, and he gets straight to the point with this man, and he says, he asks him, do you wish to get well? This question secures the man's attention and displays to the man Jesus' love and concern. However, this seems to go over the man's head and as he responds and starts to explain his situation to Jesus. He says that there is something that is causing this water to be stirred up and this man believes that only after each time it is stirred up, okay, so imagine the waters, they get stirred up. He says, the first person to enter into the pool after the waters stir up, only that person will be healed. And so all these people are waiting for the water to be stirred up and then they race to be the first one in the water so that they will be healed. Well, he says, Jesus, look at me, I can't move. Every time the water stirs up and I try to be the first one there, everyone beats me to it. I can never be the first in the water. Thus, I can never be healed. Explaining this to Jesus, he has no idea what Jesus is capable of. He is limited in his knowledge of who Jesus actually is. Well, we know who Jesus is. We know what he's capable of. And we see again how Jesus simply speaks and it is done. A miracle is performed. And so he says in verses 8 through 9, Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Verse 9, Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Another incredible miracle performed by Jesus. Jesus out of his divine sovereignty chooses to heal this man knowing that it will bring him the most glory jesus the most glory and it would ignite the necessary next step in his divine plan which is his own persecution this leads us to point number two number two persecuting the master persecuting the master in verses 9b the second half of verse 9 through 17. Now Jesus has an even larger purpose in healing this man apart from just displaying his grace and mercy to somebody who is very ill. It says in the next part of verse 9, now, and it almost seems like a side note, it says, now it was the Sabbath on that day. This man who was at the pool, he was always at the pool trying to get healed. His condition was not life-threatening. Jesus could have easily picked another day to heal this man if he wanted to, in order to avoid controversy. But Jesus knows exactly what he is doing, and he chooses this moment to confront the nation's legalism. The nation has become so legalistic. You see, the Old Testament prohibited working on the Sabbath, but it is understood that work is referring to someone's customary employment, meaning, meaning what they do uh, during the week, their regular nine to five job. They're saying, 
on the Sabbath, do not work your regular job, is basically what this is meant to say. But the rabbis went far beyond this understanding, and they started to add more limitations, forbidding all kinds of work on the Sabbath. No work at all of any type on the Sabbath. They even prohibited people carrying things on the Sabbath. Isn't that crazy? Now, some of you might wish that this was true today. You know, your parents ask you to do something on a Saturday and you say, no, I can't do any work on the Sabbath. No, that's not what this means. They had become so legalistic, the religious authorities totally overlook the amazing miracle that has just occurred. This man has been healed. He has been sick for 38 years and now he is well. But all of this is overlooked and instead they become outraged that this would occur on the Sabbath. Now, the religious authorities, they go to the man who was healed and they ask him who performed this healing. And the man trying to defend himself tries to push the responsibility on Jesus. But at this point, he doesn't actually, actually know who Jesus is. And so he can't identify him right away. But Jesus knows who this man is and he does not forget about him. We see that later on, he finds this, this man that he healed again, and he talks to him and he says, he gives him this warning, behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Now we know that not all sickness is caused by our sin, but here we see an example where sickness was a result, it was a consequence of this man's personal sin. For example, after David committed adultery and, he, and, and murder, he cried out in Psalm 32, when I kept silent about my sin, my body washed away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. So here we see another example of this. Jesus is basically telling this man, I just healed you from this sickness that was a consequence of your sin. And now, let me warn you, do not sin anymore or else you will experience a consequence that is much greater, far worse than the sickness you had for 38 years. Namely, eternal death. Do not sin anymore. Basically, this is a call uh, to repent from his sins. And immediately after this warning, this man who has been so graciously healed from a sickness that he has had for nearly four decades, turns away from Jesus and runs to the religious authorities to snitch on Jesus and tell them that it was Jesus who healed him knowing that these religious authorities would now go after and persecute Jesus. And it is at this point when the open persecution towards Jesus begins. Persecution that will eventually lead to him being unjustly accused and sentenced to death. But this is all we know according to God's divine, sovereign plan. All is pointing to the greater miracle where Jesus will willingly die on the cross 
take on the wrath of God for sinners and raise again from the dead for all who might believe in him, put their faith in him and turn away from their sins. This is all pointing to that greater miracle. All of this must happen. Even this persecution must happen in order for this divine plan to be executed. Jesus knows exactly what he is doing. So that is it for today's devotional. I've got three questions for you. Number one, up to this point, how did people feel about Jesus? And now, how are people's attitude towards Jesus changing? How is it changing? What was it before this miracle? What was their attitude like? And what is their attitude like now? Number two, why were the religious authorities upset at Jesus? Maybe even outraged at Jesus. Why were they, why were they so mad? Number three, why didn't Jesus just heal the man on another day to avoid all the outrage from the religious authorities? Why did he choose the Sabbath to do this? Submit your answers to those questions and you will be done with day nine of the John Summer Challenge. And I'll see you tomorrow for day 10. See ya. Bye.